Welcome to Out on a Limb, where traditional finance and the new digital economy converge with a sense of history. Today is September 20th, and it is roughly 3 p.m. We're all sitting on tenterhooks, one of my favorite words, waiting for the Fed to make its interest rate announcement tomorrow. And while there's been a lot that's got on in the economy, there really haven't been any big events. So I'm going to use today's uh, roughly 15 minutes to have a, a quick discussion of a, ver- a variety of topics and just spend a little bit less time on each. So maybe it'll be more interesting than spending five or six minutes on each topic. And I'm going to divide these or, or hint where they're from, where they're focused on by talking about whether they're fiat or crypto or both because today is really a bit of a smorgasbord. So the first comment is, first topic's about fiat, or about traditional finance. And that is, it's quite interesting. There was a big market crash in the fiat markets on Tuesday, and it spread to the crypto markets as well. It was very interesting, because while there was a huge, you know, five or six point move down in the equity markets, the bond markets were much more sanguine. They were much more calm in the face of that big move. The two-year interest rate went up 17 bips, which is admittedly quite a bit, but it's still not the the earth-shaking move that there was on the equity side. And the 10-year went up a, a quiet five bips. So one of my observations is that when I really am not sure what to do in the fiat space or what the market is doing, I take a look at the bond market. That has a tendency to be a little bit more calm and less subject to mammoth day-to-day volatility. Certainly not an absolute rule, but I find it to be quite helpful. The second point is the popcorn theory of investing. And this applies to any kind of trading, so in this context, both fiat and crypto. But I find it actually really helps to make certain decisions or timing certain decisions. It's not a, something that helps you do a due diligence or, or DYO, DYOR, as they say in the crypto space, do your own research. But I really find it, it, it remarkably helpful, and it's not as silly as it sounds, on buy and sell decisions. The popcorn theory is the following. You have to go back to old time popcorn making, not air poppers or, or microwave poppers. But when you put some, put some oil in a pot, pour some seeds, turn up the heat, and shake the pot a little bit, right, to get the, uh, to try to get as many of the seeds covered with oil and popping as soon as possible. The trick is you always want to pop as many of the seeds as you can. You don't want to have, you know, a couple handfuls of popcorn and, and three handfuls of seeds at the end. So you wait and you wait and you wait and try to get as many of them to pop as possible. The problem is if you wait too long, you'll start burning the popcorn that's already popped because when the number of seeds doesn't cover the bottom of the pot anymore, you start burning things. So the best way to make popcorn is you leave some seeds in the pot. And it's the same thing with investing. If you get too greedy and you're looking at selling, you're looking at selling, you hold out, you hold out, you hold out, you're going to get burned, in this case literally and, uh, and uh, metaphorically. And same thing when you buy. You wait for a bottom, you wait for a bottom, you wait for a bottom. And I find this sort of theory... A reassuring one because you can't time the markets perfectly 
and trying to do so, and if you get it right once, it's horrible because then you think you get it right again. You just got lucky. So I find the popcorn theory good. Leave some on, leave some there. It's, it's almost like taking the last bit of wine out of, a, out of a, a, a jar from the Roman period and pouring on the ground for the gods. Just leave, leave it there. Don't worry about it. Don't have any buyer's or seller's remorse. And don't try to pop the last kernel of popcorn. Now, there are other things we'll talk about, multiple round trips, DCA, dollar cost averaging, but I just want to start out with that basic theory. We really do find it very helpful with the trading we do, and since we were the top performing hedge fund in the world last year, one of, my, one of the classes of my hedge fund was we apparently do something right. Uh, third point is something I just realized with COVID, although I've been trading in markets for decades, and it applies both to crypto and to fiat. It's another general indicator of market sentiment, if you will. And that is, right, let me back up and give one more, one more factoid, and that is most people consider that fiat equities markets look 12 to 18 months out in the future. So if there's some, there's some really good news that's gonna happen further out, it's gonna get heavily discounted. If something happens real near term, not going to get the attention or the valuation that it might if it were more uh, a midterm period. Crypto, the time horizon is a little bit longer or shorter, I'm sorry, but the general principle applies. And the principle is this, the more markets panic, the less long term they are. Now, 12 to 18 months for equity markets is hardly long term. For crypto markets, it's probably one to three months, but it's certainly rarely beyond six. But if there's a crisis, that time horizon shrinks. And you could see it because when you, if you go to March 20th, I believe it was of 2022, the time horizon, which is when the COVID news came out, the time horizon was down to 12 to 18 minutes, not 12 to 18 months. And you can see when a crisis happened, you can see when the price of oil went negative by what, $47 at, at one point in time. Panicked markets look only at what's going to happen in the in the near term, in the short term. And the bigger the panic, the more intense the wave, the shorter the term. So literally, you can get down to minutes or probably even seconds if you're doing HFT. It's an important thing to learn because there are some people who call themselves contrarian investors, but contrarian investors without panic, there's room for that for that style of investing but it's not all that dramatic, it's not all that successful. On the other hand, if you have an, as an investor can keep the longer term while markets are panicking and looking short term, that's the time where you can do really well. We actually did that on the, on the family office side where I work. We went long uh, futures and just straight equities futures very simply for the, for the first time in March and three weeks later sold because it had been a spectacularly good investment. And following the popcorn theory, we took, we took the pot off the stove and were extremely happy with uh, the short-term return. And that was equivalent to probably four or five years of return on that money. The next point, I believe it's number four, is what I call more than a little bit ironically, and this applies to crypto only, Enneking's Law. And it's a, it's a takeoff of Moore's law, an obvious one, because it goes as follows. 
the profile of the average investor in the crypto space changes every 18 months. Now, there's something odd in the crypto space, and that is it's very, very new. It's you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, depending on what you want to use as your starting point. And the people that have been interested in crypto during that period of time, or using my terminology, the average investor, has changed radically. We've gone from extreme bleeding edge uh, IT guys to, and with a, a, strong, a strong mix of libertarians in there and probably a few anarchists, to a bit more established, less bleeding edge, more folks get just getting interested, a little bit of speculators coming in, but still bleeding edge speculators. And then it's shifted. It's shifted over time as, it, as, as it's become steadily more mainstream until now where you have the market that's really dominated by whales, whales with two etymologies, either early crypto guys who bought a whole bunch for cheap and held on to it, or institutions that put in a lot more money, but they have very large percentages uh, or very large pots of crypto or bags of crypto, as the, as the phrase goes. And Any King's Law says the profile of the average investor will change every 18 months. And the latest change, obviously, was more, uh, was more institutional. And over time, that I'm not sure the timing will change or not. Moore, when he came up with it from, from, uh, uh, from uh, Intel, decided, thought that the time might go out and become longer. In other words, it would take more than 18 months for the power of a CPU to double. Uh, here, I'm not sure, it'll, it, it, although that's not proven to be the case. In this case, though, I think it is going to get longer, but the underlying principle will stand until the market becomes truly mature. And that is the market trade, how the market trades, the profile of the average investor, which determines how the market trades, what it reacts to, how it moves, will change significantly based on the average investor profile. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, so the last point I will make is you can see now what has happened when whales, so the have-nots have become the haves, or the institutions have come in, or and the institutions have come into the crypto space, what is the single biggest change that happened in the crypto fiat relationship over the last 18 months? Correlation has skyrocketed, and now crypto has just become, to some degree, a risk-off asset like any other. So you can see how the average profile, the investor, uh, sorry, the profile of the average investor has a very direct effect on how the market performs. And if you're a trader or an investor in this market, it affects you. The next point is a crypto one, and that is that one of my theses has always been that everything that happens in the crypto space has an equivalent in the fiat space even though some people really, really don't like that, particularly crypto maximalists, it's virtually impossible to find an aspect of crypto that does not have an equivalent in the fiat space. And, and later, perhaps, we'll talk about some specific examples of this that seem rather less than intuitive, like NFTs, for instance, which really have a very direct equivalent in the, uh, in the fiat space. And the corollary to this is that if you want to know where crypto is going, look to see where fiat has been. And it really can help you to understand uh, some things that just, like I just talked about now, the profile of the average investor, or it can be something a little bit more sophisticated like index options or futures or indices that are investable, things like that where 
are they're fairly recent developments in crypto. They've already become old hat in the fiat space. They're not here. So you can see where crypto is going to go, particularly in terms of things like derivatives and, uh, and other more sophisticated types of investing and particularly exchanges, where exchanges are going, because exchanges in the crypto space are still far more primitive than they are in the fiat space. And the last thing is, last comment is who leads and who follows. There is, it's interesting what happens in the crypto space. I've talked a lot about correlation and you can see where the, where crypto is going to go, well, where it is going when markets open up, like Asia is about to open up at this time of day. And you can see where crypto is going to go because of what's happening in Asia, given the correlation. But there are also, there's also the flip side, and that is when markets are closed, for instance, Sunday uh, morning in particular, and early afternoon in the West Coast of the United States, or Sunday in, in, in uh, virtually anywhere in North America or South America, you, crypto is still trading. You can see what's happening to crypto. And that can, you can actually use that as a leading indicator of what fiat markets are going to do when they open up. Now, I'm starting to watch this more and more, and I have to tell you, I don't find it to be a very good leading indicator, or at least not yet, but I think it's getting better for initial direction. So if you look at what the overall general trend is on a Sunday in crypto, that will give you a hint at least as to where Asia markets will, will open up Sunday afternoon or evening, depending on where you are in North, North or South America, and where U.S. markets will open come Monday morning. I haven't paid a lot of attention to the correlation with European markets because they're between the two that, that I have a tendency to focus on. So that may be a future theme in terms of right now, fiat clearly is leading and crypto is occasionally giving you hints as to where markets are going. But we may soon, and, and actually already may be in the, in the situation where crypto will start to show where fiat markets are going to go by dint of the fact that crypto markets are open 24-7 and fiat markets aren't. And since we talked a lot about trading today, I should add that this podcast and none of these podcasts are investment advice. They're just my observations spending a lot of time in both the fiat and crypto space. And with that, tomorrow is the, is the momentous day when the Fed will announce the uh, interest rate inevitable hike. Uh, the scorecards are at 50 points, 50 bips, 75 bips, and 100 bips. Last I saw, 100 bips had about 18%, and 50 bips was less than 10. The vast majority of folks, in terms of pricing this in, the vast majority of folks are going for 75, and we will see. I have a couple of predictions, both about what the Fed decision will be and what the market reaction to that will be, and so we'll uh, start keeping track of the scorecard and what my batting average is. And with that, I hope you all have a great day. Thank you.